Before we get started, I wanted to say thank you to the generous patrons of the podcast bringing you today's episode. You can support the show and receive access to bonus episodes at patreon.com slash diapersanddisciples. This is Diapers and Disciples, episode 61. On Diapers and Disciples, we're talking about living out the Great Commission as a mom. I'm Amber O'Hearn, and this is part two of our series on goal setting and intentionality in the new year. Today, I'm chatting with Joy Wattenbarger about life planning as a way to grow in holiness and intentional parenting through guidance, teaching, and honoring the dignity of our children. Joy also shares some tips for getting out of survival mode, maintaining a prayer life, and handling chronic illness as a mom. Thanks for listening in today. Here's my chat with Joy. Hi, Joy. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Amber. It is my pleasure. I'm so excited to to be hanging out and chatting with you today. Me too. Why don't you start us off and tell us a little bit about you and your work and your family? Sounds good. So I am a work from home mom. I grew up in the Bay Area in California. And now I live with my family in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, I have been married to my husband, Josh, coming up on eight years now. And we were we were both two West Coast kids who met during a year of missionary work uh, with Net Ministries back in 2004 and 2005. And after that, uh, we fell in love and started dating in college. And we ended up spending almost a decade in the Midwest. We went to college in Ohio at Franciscan University, and then we both worked in youth ministry uh, in the Diocese of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania for several years. And then we moved to my husband's hometown of Las Vegas about five years ago when we were crazy and exhausted new parents. And we realized (laughs) that we wanted our kids to to grow up closer to extended family. So we've been Mm -hmm. out here for a little while now. Um, We are parents to Caleb, who is six, and Abby, who's almost four. And I am, I'm totally one of those braggy moms. Um, I feel so blessed to, to have a front row seat to their childhood. And, Mm -hmm. um, when I'm when I'm open enough to receive it, they really teach me a lot. Caleb is this really thoughtful and observant kid, and he just has really big dreams and a big heart, and it's really fun to watch him grow. And Abby is really spunky and sassy and friendly and confident, um, and I'm just always astounded by the depth of her little insight in her questions and comments. And so it is, it's really fun and sometimes maddening, I will be honest. <laughs> uh, it's really fun for the most part to be to be their mom. Um, as for my job, I mentioned earlier that I'd worked in youth ministry, and that was my career through uh, the first year of my, my oldest, Caleb's life. Um, but once we moved to Las Vegas, I actually decided that I wanted to do something different. I, I wanted to find a way to be at home with my kids more. And so I started moving into a career in writing. Um, Initially, I started working for a company that specialized in benefits communications, which is like those packets that you get from your employer that tells you like how much your ER copay is going to be when your kid shows off something. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, who knew people write write those. But so I did that for a little while. And as much as I loved telling people about their dental benefits, um, (laughs) it didn't really feel, there was something that was kind of missing. And so when I had an opportunity... um, I ended up being offered an opportunity with a Catholic consulting firm, um, and I have been with them for the past four years now, and I love it. Um, basically, my company does a lot of things to help parishes you know, articulate their mission and, and share the faith with their members, um, and I'm involved in this really little piece of it as a writer. So our company produces personalized magazines or something like that for each of our parish clients, and mm. they're filled with articles that are sharing the stories of various parishioners and how God has worked in their lives, you know, personally or through the ministries that they're involved with. And, you know, Amber, I'm sure you can relate to this and probably, you know, lots of your listeners who've been involved in some form of ministry, there's there's so much importance in sharing people's stories and giving them a mm-hmm. voice to, you know, share the witness of how God has worked in their lives. And I feel like that's what I get to do, whether I'm interviewing, you know, some sweet elderly lady who is sharing about how her devotion to the Eucharist has grown because she's been bringing communion to the homebound 
for the past 50 years or, you know, a stay-at-home dad who brings his kids to participate in Corporal Works of Mercy or whatever it is. It's just, it's really neat to get to to hear those stories. And I believe they're they're so powerful and I'm lucky enough to, to get to hear and be inspired by beautiful examples of people who are living their faith, um, you know, in their everyday lives and, and then getting to share their stories with others. So it's really an honor and I, and I enjoy it a lot. That's so cool. How did you um, get get into that kind of work? Did you hear about the com- that company once you moved out there? Yeah. So the company is actually based in another state. So I work remotely. So it's all from home. You know, I call people and do the interviews, things like that. I actually kind of got connected to it through a friend of a friend. It was just one of those things where, you know, the right people connecting at the right times. And I think what spoke to my heart was I, I kind of joke when I was a youth minister, and sometimes still today, um, I I have do a little bit of work in terms of um, putting on workshops to help people learn how to share their witnesses. I've mm. I've always just loved the idea of stories, and as you know, with Net, um, you know that was something really central. This idea of you know how do you identify God's work in your life, and then how do you share that with others? So this idea of stories is something that I was always really passionate about, um, and teaching people how to share their stories. And so now I just kind of teach people how to share their stories. And then and then I share it for them a little bit in a little bit more of a removed way, but kind of that same idea. So that was kind of what what drew me to that. Wow, that's so awesome. Yeah. And I mean, in everything you just said in your in your family and in your work, I can like see um clearly like how how you're able to live out the great commission as a mom but i guess i just wanted to give you the opportunity like when you think about how you personally are living out the great commission as a mom um is there anything else that comes that comes to mind for you yeah yeah there was a few things that that come to mind i i love this idea and the heart of your mission of how do we live this out you know how are we you know going and making disciples um for me, I think the the first thing that comes to my mind is just the importance of my vocation and the fact that, you know, as much as I loved the years that I spent, you know, in active ministry in a parish, the truth is that my kids are the most important disciples <laughs> that I mm. ever hope to make. Um, with this, I try to be really intentional about how I want to parent, um, how I want to share my faith with my kids. I think it can be so easy just to get wrapped up in, you know, keeping everyone alive and forget sometimes, you know, what what is the heart and the importance of all these little moments that build up to create something, um, you know, that is hopefully bigger, that it hopefully leads mm-hmm. to you know a lifetime of our kids loving and serving God. Um, so for me, I think that as Christian parents, our primary goal should be exemplifying to our children the love of God the Father so that as they grow older, they'll be able to to welcome their own relationship with Him. Um, and so I think a lot about, you know, how does God deal with us, um, you know, with patience, with mercy and, and consistency. And that's something that I really hope to model to them. Um, Another thing that I think about with this idea of making disciples um, is really the word disciple. You can probably imagine, you know, as someone involved with writing words, I, I love words, you know, mm-hmm. and using the the right words and, and finding ways to articulate things well really matters to me. And so I have thought a lot about this word disciple, which comes from the root word, which means to teach. Um, and I think in parenting, a word that we, that we hear and that we think about a lot um, is a, a word related to that uh, discipline that comes from that same root word. Um, and, and it's a word that you hear a lot in relation to parenting. And unfortunately, I think it's a word that is often used incorrectly. You know, a lot of times I think parents find themselves using the word discipline when what they actually mean is punishment, which is more, you know, uh, creating a system of, of guiding your children in behavior modification 
and the the focus is more that changing behavior rather than teaching. And for me as a Christian parent, I think that one of the main ways that I can make disciples is by seeing my role as a parent as one of guidance and teaching. How am I, you know, teaching my children how to love and serve God and love and serve others? Um, one of the things that has been very influential for me um, as a parent. I've had the privilege um, of studying the work of Maria Montessori and Sophia Cavaletti through the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd program, which as a side note, I cannot recommend enough. I always tell parents that going through that training for Catechesis of the Good Shepherd is perhaps one of the greatest gifts that you could give both yourself and your children in regards mm. to passing on the faith. But but that aside, um, one of the beautiful things that I really gained from their wisdom is this reminder that we're all God's children and we are all journeying towards heaven together. You know, in the, the scheme of eternity, um, you know, my children are God's children. I'm God's child and we're on this journey. And um, there's things that I meant to teach my kids and there's things that they're meant to teach me. So for me, making disciples of my kids means that I'm seeking to to honor their dignity as fellow children of God and guiding and teaching and talking to them in a way that is respectful and based in the truth that they're created good. And they're not acting out of some kind of, you know, malicious intent, but rather that they need help learning how to interact with the world around them and ultimately with God. So for me, it's about trying to consistently ask myself in various parenting situations, whether they're pleasant or unpleasant, what is the lesson that I want to teach and how can I maintain clear boundaries while still fostering a relationship that is, you know, nurturing and empathetic and respectful of my children. So not simply about trying to get them to modify their behavior through, you know, punishment or manipulation, but rather helping them to learn and make connections from a place of respect and empathy, uh, and th that those connections will allow them to have meaningful relationships with God and others. So I think that's kind of the heart of it for me is this first step of being really intentional about how am I thinking about my kids and who they are and, you know, the, the messages and the lessons that I want to be translated to them through our interactions. Um, and I think from there, then it flows into to more of a practical thing. Um, you know, I think that sharing the faith with our children is not so much about these big moments of catechesis, but rather about all these little moments of modeling what our relationship with God looks like. Um, so for me, it's about verbalizing my interactions with God and the Blessed Mother and the saints, um, just like I would talk about other relationships with family members or friends so my kids can see what that might look like in everyday life, you know, whether that's showing them what it looks like to pray Hail Mary when I am going to lose it, <laughs> you know, or thanking yeah. God for our blessings or asking forgiveness for our mistakes at the end of the day, you know, praying when you see an ambulance or drive past a cemetery or a person without a home, you know, I want to give them all these little opportunities to see and to learn and practice the skills that they need to grow in their relationship with God. Certainly, I think prayer and the importance of the sacraments being at the heart of that, um, and also, I think that the way that children naturally question the world around them leads them to many opportunities or, or gives me many opportunities to share the truths of the faith in a way that's that's very organic and um, can lead them to experience the faith in a personal way from a young age. So I think that that modeling and just making it, you know, part of your everyday is is so key. Um and then I think that ends up translating um, into, you know, certainly the ways that we grow in holiness and our relationship with God. But I also think it ends up extending sometimes even outside of ourselves um, to those outside of our family when we take advantage of all the different situations that we find ourselves in daily as moms, you know, going mm. out of our way to, to be kind to the librarian or, you know, taking time to introduce ourselves to the other people at the park or chatting longer 
longer than we thought we had time for with an elderly person at the store, or a mom at pickup, or you know, whatever. I, as moms, I think we have the gift of being in so many everyday situations with many people who are going through, you know, Lord only knows what different struggles they're experiencing. And I think that, you know, God can use our little efforts, um, even if it's just our smiles, to to bring about his kingdom on earth. And um, one of my favorite mysteries of the rosary to meditate on is the proclamation of the kingdom. Um, and I found it so powerful to pray that God's love will be proclaimed in just all of the small, silly, mundane things of our lives. And I hope that that is something that, you know, Hopefully, if I do it consistently, that those kinds of ideas are something that, you know, will also seep into my kids and that they'll, you know, someday be able to share in that, you know, in a more intentional way as well. Hmm. I love that so much. And I, I love that idea and the approach of, you know, there's something for me to learn in this, you know, as a mom and for my kids to learn in, mm. you know, the day to day. And um yeah, I don't know if that's, is that specifically from um, Montessori and Cavaletti, that idea? Or I, I don't know if that's exactly where it's from. But um, yeah, I just, I just really love that. And I'm, I've just become familiar with Catechesis of the Good Shepherd um, this past year. And my daughter's doing it this year, which has been amazing. Yeah. Um, so have, have you known about that, that approach, I guess, to parenthood for a long time? Has this always been kind of a part of your motherhood? Or is it something you've come to recently? It's something that I've kind of grown and transitioned with. Ironically, I feel embarrassed to admit this, but um, I, I studied theology and catechetics in youth ministry in college, and there were a couple of points where I had the opportunity to become trained in catechesis of the Good Shepherd, and I totally blew it off because um, I planned on working with high schoolers, and why would I need to know about little kids? So <laughs> hmm. I'm embarrassed to admit that I did not, you know, always understand the value of it. How However, when I was working with high school students, I had a couple of students who really stood out to me, and I was very intrigued, just the way that they talked about their relationship with the Lord, and, and all of this was very intriguing to me, and I remember you know, kind of digging a little further and finding out that so many of the kids that I was really blown away by their faith, they were kids who had grown up in a Montessori environment and grown up with Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. So then when I started having my own kids, that was when... Um, my husband is a director of faith formation, and and at our parish, he's kind of revamped all of the the faith formation programs. So that is one of the primary forms of catechesis at our parish, and that was when I went through training. So that was something that, luckily, I, I feel very grateful. It wasn't it wasn't the first thing, perhaps that you know set me on this path of you know being really deliberate or intentional about how, you know, what is my philosophy of parenting, but it was definitely formative early on. And I, and I do think that this idea of um, us both having things to gain from each other I don't know there I don't know if there's a particular quote that comes to mind but I do feel like this idea is you know very Montessori in the sense of you know realizing that God you know especially as Catholics we believe that you know there is an inherent goodness in each person and that God creates you know our children as complete persons you know as as whole you know souls bodies minds all of it they're the whole package and so certainly there's there's ways that perhaps we can guide them or or introduce them to different things or lead them closer to God but God created them and they long for a relationship with him and and they can teach us so much you know as as we open these doors and explore these things together um there's so much we can both learn and i think it also goes back to this idea that you know god loves each one of us, you know, whether it's parents or children. And every experience that we have, I, I am a firm believer. A, a friend once told me, and this has really stuck with me, and she was a she's a wonderful Montessorian. Um, and she she talked about this idea that essentially all experiences are meant to be a blessing to everyone involved. That, you know, God in his greatness, it's not like he just uses us you know, in any experience just to bless someone else. But that if we're open to receive it, you know, we're meant to be blessed just as much mm. by 
handing food to someone without a home as they are meant to receive it. You know, we're meant to be blessed just as much by watching our, you know, presenting a story of, you know, um, something in scripture to our children as they are to receive it. Like the blessing, God has plenty of blessings to go around. And in every encounter, he wants to bless both of us. So for me, trying to have that kind of an awareness, you know, especially in interactions with my kids, um, I, I do feel like it kind of transforms and, and it helps to take away that sense of like, oh, I'm doing so much work. Like I, I'm putting so much out, you know, it can be so mm-hmm. exhausting as a mother to feel like, oh, I'm putting so much out and to, to try to have this awareness that if I'm open to receive it, you know, there's just as much and sometimes even more that God wants to give me and, and fill me up through those, those interactions as well. That's beautiful. I love that so much. And um, I I think this is perfect because you've mentioned before to me the idea of um, kind of like visioning your motherhood and yeah. uh, maybe the term life planning. So yeah. he, this episode is airing in, in January. So it's like a, a new fresh start to the year. And so I'd yeah. love to talk to you about that idea for moms who are listening and thinking like, you know, maybe, wow, this really resonates with me, what you're saying. Um, And what went into kind of the, the intentionality of your motherhood? Yeah, so I I agree. And I love that this is in January, because I am totally someone who I I really like those external guides of like New Year's resolutions and all those (laughs) kinds of things. I, I like those reminders that we get a fresh start, you know, and I think it can be so easy for us as moms to get caught up in the mundane routines of every day and forget that we have a purpose and we will find even those mundane things much more fulfilling if we're really discovering and living that purpose in an intentional way. Um, so for me, the idea of, of life planning was something that, um, that I kind of stumbled upon, um, that, that my husband kind of discovered and, and helped us to be more deliberate about, um, because I am someone who I love, I love to read. I, I, there's many beautiful books, whether they're spiritual books or parenting books that I can draw a lot of inspiration from. And I'm someone who can get super inspired, but then Mm -hmm. when it comes to actually implementing it, I, I really struggle sometimes. And so this was, really helpful for me. Um, A couple of years ago, he found this book and we read it together and it really changed my life. It's called uh, Living Forward and it's by Michael Hyatt and Daniel Harkavy, I think is how you say his last name. Um, And the premise of the book is that we all end up somewhere and that if we don't have a clear plan, then we're likely to get to the end of our lives and look back on them with regret. Um, And to be honest, I am sure that there are probably many good books that that have this kind of a premise and perhaps could guide you through. Uh, for me, this just happened to be the book that that really sparked it. And, um, and I'll explain a little bit why I found it so helpful. But as I read this book, I realized that I was not being intentional the way that I wanted to. And I was not, you know, really living out and implementing all of these, you know, dreams that I had about what I wanted my motherhood and, and our family to look like, and I needed to make a change. Um, So what I love about this book is that it walks you through, um, kind of it encourages encourages you to take a day and set aside a day to do this life planning day. And during this time, it's almost like a mini retreat. Um, And you write a short document kind of outlining your vision for yourself. And it focuses on asking questions about uh, how you want to be remembered, what matters the most to you, and how you can get from where you are now to where you want to be. So it's about this process of kind of dreaming and visioning and then planning and taking action. So this process was really helpful for me because it forced me to look at my relationships and consider what legacy do I want to leave for the people that I love. Um, It made me evaluate the various areas of my life really specifically and craft a vision statement as well as come up with a practical plan of how to move forward in areas of my life that I was not satisfied with. Um, There's a lot of focus on this idea of beginning with the end in mind and identifying the why 
behind all the things that you choose to do, which is really important, I found, in, you know, building and maintaining momentum. So uh, I found the book really helpful. Then the reason why I am so excited about this particular one is because it literally guides you step by step through writing this really powerful life plan. And that was something that I always struggled with. Like I'd start writing stuff and then I'd get stuck and then I'd throw it away and start over. And I felt like this book really helped, you know, guide me through the process. Um, so for people who who like having that kind of guidance, it might be, you know, really a blessing. And then once you have this plan written and, you know, you you love it or or if you're a perfectionist, it's at least, you know, good enough to start. Um, <laughs> you set aside time each day, usually first thing in the morning, and you read it aloud. And you can certainly make edits as you go if you want, but reading it every day is what really helps to bring this vision to fruition. Um, because when you're reading it every day, it's on your heart it's on your mind. You're thinking, it's easier to think about the choices that you make and the ways that you're reacting and the truth of the person you want to become because they're all at the forefront of your mind so much more often. Um, and so I really appreciated that. And I am very quick to admit that I certainly don't do this perfectly. Um, I, I don't still, I'm not currently reading my life plan every day, but when I'm doing it consistently, it's really life-changing for me. And honestly, now, even if I haven't read it in a while, there's certain phrases or goals that will pop into my mind and shape the way that I handle various situations. So um, for example, I've struggled off and on throughout my life with anxiety. And when I wrote my first life plan, this was a couple years back, um, I was in the midst of a really bad uh, bout with anxiety and panic attacks. And as part of one of my personal goals, um, like that, my, my personal account or whatever, I had a, I had mental health goals along with what was my envisioned future. And as part of that, I'd written an inspiring quote. And the quote that I used was from St. Therese of Lisieux, who um, I found out struggled with, you know, anxiety and different mental health program or, or mental health issues. And, um, and she said that Jesus gives me at every moment what I'm able to bear and nothing more. If in the next moment he increases my suffering, he also increases my strength. I suffer mm -hmm. only for an instant. And so because I was reading that every day, I had it in the forefront of my mind. And mm -hmm. when I would feel my anxiety rising, I would just repeat that phrase over and over. And I would just try to open myself for the increase in strength and think, I'm only, I will suffer only for an instant. Now, I'm not saying I stopped doing all the other things I needed to do to manage my mental health. But in that moment, it gave me a clear focus and a reminder that I was not alone and that God was with me. And it really was a reminder of grace that I needed. And that was so valuable. Um, so I found my vision statements in a lot of areas, but especially for my relationship with my husband and my kids, I think my vision statements have done a lot to change the way that I relate to them because I am so focused on the legacy and the memories that I want to leave them and then working to create that relationship and those memories. So mm -hmm. for example, I really want my kids to remember me as a mom who was willing to make sacrifices so that we could have fun and adventures together as a family. And it was that goal that, um, and having that at the forefront of my mind that really pu has pulled me out of my comfort zone. I am like not an outdoorsy person at all, but my kids really love the outdoors and they had been begging to go camping. So last year um, we started going camping together Mm -hmm. um, and it's been awesome. We've ended up discovering this huge hobby that we can enjoy together. And um, it's become a great thing in our life. And it all started because I had this vision of, I want to be a fun, adventurous mom. And that pulled me out of my comfort zone and just helped me start taking the steps towards becoming that. Um, and so I, I think that's my hope that that when you start with having a clear vision and a plan, it starts to shape your mindset. And then hopefully, it can turn into the reality of um, a life well lived in the way that you want want to be able to look back on it. Hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting. I, um, so I'm guessing the book, it's, it's like a secular book, right? The idea of, and maybe the idea of life planning. So I'm thinking, yeah. um, how do you feel like it relates well with like 
our Catholic faith? And are you able to kind of merge the two where, um, yeah, you feel like they're, they're associated Yeah, I feel like they are so connected. And this is what's funny. So I, to be honest, I'm not sure about Daniel Harkavy, but I know that Michael Hyatt, I believe he, he is, um, he's a, he's a Christian. I'm not, I think he might, um, practice in the Orthodox church. I'm not, I'm not, don't quote me on that, but I know that he is religious. And so you can certainly sense, um, you know, this, this undertone of, you know, where does your faith play into your life? And certainly for me, many of my life goals were based on, you know, the way that my relationship with God and, you know, the way I want to live my faith in the world. Hmm. Um, it's the way the book is written is kind of in such a way that you take your priorities. So if faith is one of those things for you. It's very easy to integrate it. Um, for me, I feel like this is an idea that is actually, and sadly, I think it can be easy, you know, because we know that, you know, our life here on earth is temporary. It can be kind of easy to be almost uh, less focused or less deliberate than we should be about it. Now, hmm. certainly heaven is the ultimate goal. Um, but I, I think sometimes we can forget about the focus of, you know, I want to get to the end of my life and hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. Mm-hmm. I want to know that I really was a faithful steward of the life, of the gifts, of the experiences that God gave me. I want to know that I was really seeking holiness in all of these different experiences that I have, um, that I'm, you know, becoming, that, I, that I'm being sanctified and that I'm inviting those around me to grow in holiness. So for me, life planning was kind of a way to take stock of my life. And certainly, you know, my, my holiness and my, my spiritual life at the heart and the being the driving force of that and, and learn how to be intentional. I certainly think that um, whether it's my prayer life or, um, you know, any other aspects of my spiritual life would be, you know, far less deliberate if it wasn't for having gone through this process of life planning mm-hmm. and kind of learning how to to prioritize and, and make sure that those priorities are actually lived at priorities and not just, oh, God is first in my head, but actually right. making that, translating that into you know, my day by day life. Yeah, that makes sense. So I'm thinking for moms who might not feel like they have like a full day or like an ability to go, you know, at this point, um, maybe on a retreat somewhere, which I think if, if you are able to do it, (laughs) it's something you should be, you should shoot for, you know, at least once a year is maybe taking, um, a little retreat, even if it's just for a day for you. But, um, if, if moms that are listening don't feel like they're able to take that time right now, would you say that this is something that could be done even just like, you know, a couple evenings a week, or even just having a morning at a coffee shop or something like that to be able to kind of take stock of, of where you're at right now in your life and, um, be able to, plan and start to establish this vision? Yes, I, I definitely think that, you know, with everything, this is uh, something I'm such a proponent of in with motherhood in general, you know, the truth is, we want to set high ideals. And then the truth is that sometimes we can't always reach those and we do the best that we can, you know, and for me, this is a perfect example of this. Yes. Do I think it's such a gift to be able to get away and spend a whole day on this? I think that that's yes, wonderful. But I certainly think that you can benefit from this kind of idea, even if that's not for whatever reasons realistic in your life right now. I think that if it's something you choose to to make a priority and, and I think that I think that it would be valuable certainly to have some time in silence and perhaps, you know, solitude or like you said, at a coffee shop, you know, I guess mm-hmm. I mean silence and solitude from small people hanging on you. Um, <laughs> right. But uh, yes, I certainly think it's something that could be broken into pieces and could be made into something um I think it could be valuable even if it was done in a different format. And I think that's what I love about this book is it is something that you have at home with you. So it's not like you have to be, you know, there's, oh my gosh, a plethora of 
fantastic, you know, like planning, personal development, conferences, and all sorts of cool resources like that. But if that's not realistic for you, when it's in a book, you know, you can take it bit by bit as you can and, you know, find a way to to be creative. If you make it a priority, you can find ways to be creative and make it happen. And I certainly think that whatever the process looked like for you, I think that the benefits could probably be really similar. Hmm, that's great. Um, and then do you have any tips who for moms who just feel like they're right now in just like a survival mode? Like maybe they um, just had a baby and are kind of, or there's been like a life change, <laughs> yeah. you know, in their family and they're trying to figure things out. Uh, do you have any tips for moms who maybe are just like at that point in their life right now? <laughs> well, I have to laugh because anything that I know about this, I have completely learned the hard way. Um, I think that whatever the transition is in life, it puts us in a survival mode and it can be so hard to get out. Um, my son started a new school this year and my sister moved in with us. And I was, you know, hours ago talking with a friend about how I feel like we've gotten in this survival mode uh, rut that I'm currently trying to get out of. So mm -hmm. I don't say any of this preaching just like, hey, I'm there too. Um, the things that I try to look at when I'm, you know, in the process of trying to, to get out of that rut, um, there's a couple things. The first one is what are the highest priorities? What are my must do's each day? Is it prayer? Is it spending 20 minutes sitting on the floor playing with the kids? Is it a work project? Is it cleaning out the sink of dishes that has been piling for the past 18 days? Um, you know, whatever that is, what is, what are the must do's? Um, I use a tool called the Daily Docket. Um, you can download it for free from Tish Oxenrider. She's over at The Art of Simple. She does podcasts and she has oh, loads yeah. of resources. Um, she is just great. Anyway, her she has this tool called the Daily Docket. And I love it because sometimes I fill out the whole sheet. You know, it has everything from like, how much water are you staying hydrated? Um, to just what are the things you must accomplish this day? You know, it, it just kind of helps you plan out your day a little bit. Um, I also like uh, Brendan Burchard. He has a high performance planner that I also love. It helps kind of get me in that mode as well. I kind of alternate. But shoot, really, if you just have a post-it and you could write your top <laughs> few goals for the day, um, right. for me, just coming up with what are my highest priorities? What are my you know top couple goals for the day? I try to fill that out every night before I go to bed so that I am not wasting any valuable morning creativity or energy on list making, but that as soon as I get up and as soon as things are going, I know exactly what I need to start with. Um, and so for me, that's super important, like the, having the list, but then also having it so that from the moment my feet hit the floor, I can immediately go to the things that are most important, not be like, oh, what do I care about today? Um, so that's important for me. Um, with that also, whenever I'm in a rut, and, and I'm I'm someone who has tried to become a morning person in general, but um, for me, especially since uh, when I'm in a rut, I have to focus a lot on kind of getting out of survival mode for me is about focusing on mornings. Um, once I start getting things accomplished, the motion builds momentum, you know? So for me, early mornings are really key to getting my top priorities in there, trying to get them finished before the kids get up. Um, when I'm on a roll, I usually get up, I go to bed pretty early and I get up at like five in the morning uh, because then I have that, you know, hour and a half, sometimes two hours if I'm really lucky, where I can get the day started with, the, with getting a couple key things checked off and that builds momentum. And then I'm on those days, I literally accomplish 10 times more and I just accomplish more and I don't feel like I'm drowning. So for me, that really helps me get out of that survival mode. Um, and then finally, I try to simplify. Um, a lot of times when you're in survival mode, you just feel like there's so much to be done and you're never going to finish it all. So for me, it's about saying, you know, what can I minimize? What can I simplify? Um, and there's so many great minimalist mom resources out there. And I have so much work to do in this area. But I really think that whether it's, you know, in your stuff or in your schedule, sometimes simplifying and just trying to maintain, you know, the bare minimum and kind of getting your feet back under you is the best way to, to try to get out of a rut. Hmm. That's great. I, I love those. I especially love what you said about mornings because it's so true when you have that momentum 
and you're able to get some things done before the kids wake up, wow, that totally makes a difference in your day. <laughs> Whereas like yeah. right now, the season of life I'm in right now, um, we're recording this during Advent and I'm just like struggling to get up in the morning. My things, my days have just been, um, you know, I've been trying to slow them down, but I've just been, I think because I've been slowing them down, I've also just kind of lost my, um, I, I don't know what it is, <laughs> like my jump start in the morning yes. or whatever it is. So, and you're right, the days that I do have those mornings where I'm up and I'm praying, that really just gives me the drive and the momentum for the rest of the day of getting things done. Um, have you right. always been a morning person or is that something that you had to kind of take on? Oh gosh, I, I'm sure that anyone who's hearing this, who has known me probably in any time in my life other than the past couple of years is <laughs> like, she's lying. Um, <laughs> I am not, a, well, naturally I am not a morning person. I spent most of my life like, and, and then I was a youth minister. So I spent most yeah, of my life staying up to like two in the morning and like sleeping until like 10 AM. I could, mm. I could easily sleep till noon for most of my life. Um, and so for me becoming a morning person, I, I thought that was crazy. Like I, I honestly, I, at one point I remember trying in my life and I just like felt miserable and I was like, see, I can never change. But anyway, I ended up like learning. I, there's a lot of people who have cool resources about like how to become a morning person, like the power of mornings. None of them are coming mm. to mind right now. I think there's one that's called like miracle morning and there's just a bunch of cool resources out there at little tricks. And so at one point I was like, once I was working from home, I was like, I need to have some time to work in the mornings. And so I was just kind of reading and trying to learn and started implementing these things little by little. And Sure enough, now it's like my favorite time of the day. And sometimes I feel ridiculous saying that because I would have never been that person. But it really is. It's awesome. And and I'm the first also to say, like, it only works if you go to bed at, on time. You know, mm. I I am one of those people that, like, I need my sleep. Like, I, I have to be getting enough sleep. So if I'm not disciplined about going to bed at, on time, then the whole thing falls apart quite fast. But um yeah, I do think it is possible, you know, with, you know, discipline and, you know, having a goal in mind and, and making it an enjoyable time. You know, I think that's what it is. For me, it was when all of a sudden, I realized I could have really fruitful, productive days that I enjoyed. And I could enjoy spending time with my kids because I wasn't always stressed trying to get my must do's done while they were around. Because I'd done, you know, some of them before. I just realized for me, you know, the, the happiness that I was then able to experience and the fulfillment in my days made it like, okay, as much as I don't want to jump out of bed when that alarm goes off, I, I know that it's worth it. And so kind of that, once you get going, I feel like it, it ends up paying off and it, it's enjoyable enough that you keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That makes sense. Um, yeah, I think you're right. When you realize it's an and an enjoyable thing like that first you know 10 minutes of getting up and is is the worst <laughs> but, uh -huh. but then but then when you have your coffee and you're like oh my goodness this is so nice I'm in a quiet house and I'm like taking my prayer time and like getting ready for the day and yeah. then you realize like it's such a positive thing yeah. um, and so I, I wanted to ask you about prayer because um, you and I both did net and I know a lot of people who listen to this podcast have done um, you know, some kind of ministry, uh, maybe yeah. before they um, got into their careers or, or became a mom. Um, so how have you been able to maintain your prayer life? And I guess, what role does prayer play in your daily life at this point? Yeah. Um, I always joke with my husband and my close friends that if it seems like I'm struggling, they should ask me when was the last time that I really prayed. Mm. Um Consistent prayer is something that I have struggled with, honestly, my entire life, even when I was, a, you know, a missionary and a college student at a Catholic college, you know, it's something consistent daily prayer is something that I have always struggled with. And ironically, I really feel like I've only started to I master is probably a very strong word, but I've started to kind of gain some traction with recently as a mom. So, um, 
I would say probably the past couple of years is when I've started to find what my groove is. Um, and I have become such a firm believer in the quote it, with net. I believe they say this all the time. It's a quote from the catechism. I don't know exactly where, but the idea is that you can only pray at all times once you pray at specific times. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that unfortunately, myself included, and I know many other moms who just try to pray at all times. You know, we have this idea of like, life is so busy and so crazy. Like everything we do is a prayer. And certainly there is the potential for that. But for me, I realized that everything was not a prayer for me unless I was praying at specific times. Um, so I have had to be really diligent um, about carving out that specific time for prayer. So. For me, that looks like taking advantage of my early mornings. Um, when I'm up early, usually prayer is the thing that is I try to make at the top of my list of things that I want to accomplish in that time before the kids get up. I am really blessed that I have um, a chapel with Eucharistic adoration, perpetual adoration, um, that's like 10 minutes from my house. So I usually try to go and spend about 30 minutes in adoration. Um, I often read and journal with the daily mass readings or some other spiritual reading. And let's be honest, it's five in the morning. Sometimes I just sit in silence and ask the Lord to fill me with what. I need for the day. Um, I love being in adoration because it's one of those things where sometimes when I feel like I have nothing to give and you know, if I'm sitting at home, I feel like I like can't drum up enough, you know, focus or or whatever. And when I'm in adoration, I'm like, you know what, I am here with you, Lord. You know, even if I have literally nothing to give, no focus, or I'm all over the place, like I am in your presence. And, um, you know, in your presence, you, you know, help me to be who, who I am most fully. Um, so adoration is, is really huge for me. Um, I also try to, to pray a daily rosary as much as possible. And it almost always happens in the car. Sometimes it's just when I'm driving back and forth between adoration or, you know, when I'm dropping the kids off in the morning. But for me, starting the day, you know, asking the Blessed Mother to, to intercede for me and, and trying to focus and meditate on those things um, and intentions in my life is super helpful. Um, my kids and I like to sing the Chaplet of Divine Mercy a lot on the way home from school. It happens that we're driving home during the hour of oh, mercy. Yeah. So we do that, and that's been really good. Um, and then specific prayers, you know, that we do each night together before bed. Um, so for me, like having those set times has really made it so that now the praying at all times comes much more naturally. Like because I have those grounded times, it's, it's kind of funny, but it just do, it does just happen more now. You know, when I'm, yeah. you know, pray for someone that I'm passing in the car or as I'm holding laundry or, you know, all these little moments, I just feel like um, because because I started out the day, I think, especially with the Lord specifically on my heart and have, have found times to, you know, be intentional about it. Now it just flows, prayer flows more naturally in my life. And, you know, certainly has been a big, a big blessing and a big source of, of strength and grace for me. Hmm, that's beautiful. I really love that. Um, something else I wanted to ask you about, I know you have struggled with um, some chronic illness. And um, I know that, that we, I have some listeners that have also struggled with this. And so how, I just want to know how you handle this with your, with the day-to-day, you know, burdens that just come with motherhood and like the tasks that you have to do in the day. And um, I I imagine that, you know, the chronic illness, it's something that, you know, affects you and it's kind of always like in your mind. So I, I, I'm curious how, how you've been able to, to handle that. Yeah, it's hard. First of all, if you're a mom who, you know, struggles with chronic health issues of of any variety, whether mental or physical or whatever that looks like for you, my heart really goes out to you. Um, You are not alone. It is certainly, it's very challenging. Um, One of the things that I try to constantly remind myself of, and sometimes I'm better and sometimes I'm worse, but I try to remember this idea that Um, of something that the Lord gave me in prayer many years ago. And it's this idea that my body will do exactly what it needs to do for my holiness. Um, 
And this is something that I try to come back to, this reminder that any and all of my sufferings are not wasted, that Hmm. they are the way that God is purifying me. And as frustrated as I often find myself with my physical limitations or energy or whatever, I know that God perfectly designed you know, my body and my struggles to lead me to heaven. And so trying to allow that mindset to override, you know, the discouragement or the feelings of failure, all of those things, which I think are, you know, just a part of what it looks like to be a mom who can't do all the things that you wish you could do or that you see other moms doing. Um, this this refocus on the fact that holiness is is what I want to have at the heart of it. Um, and on a practical note, I think it's so important to get support, you know, whether it's friends or babysitters or, or whatever. Um, certainly, I think for any mom, having a, a community and a support network is important. But when you struggle with chronic illness, having a network is all the more important. Um, and, and finding people who can help you so that you can focus on the things that are most essential to you. Um, I also think it's really helpful, if at all possible, to have a good counselor. Even if you're not dealing with, you know, specifically mental health problems in particular, um, any kind of health struggles uh, eventually often lead to mental health struggles because it's it's hard. It's really challenging. And, you know, having someone who perhaps is a step removed who can help, you know, encourage you and support you and help you troubleshoot in those times that can feel very dark and overwhelming, that can be really invaluable. Um, and I also think that as much as certainly there's there's ways in which, um, you know, I feel bad for the fact that there's certain things that my kids experience in a certain way because of my limitations, I also think that if you communicate with your kids, um, that there's ways that they can become more empathetic and loving um, because they're keenly aware of my struggles. Um, And do I wish that I didn't have those limitations? Certainly. But just as much as, you know, God designed my body exactly with its limitations for my holiness, he put my kids in my family. And, you know, there's, there's ways that God wants to bless them and help them grow into being, you know, better people because of my limitations. And I think that their, their empathy and their concern, um, is sometimes higher, maybe out of necessity because of my struggles. So, um, yeah, I think that's finding support and, you know, being, being as honest as you can, um, and then trusting that God, God is going to work through those things as miserable and frustrating as they are, um, that they're, they're meant for our holiness if, if we'll open ourselves to, to that possibility. That's beautiful. I love that so much. So Joy, um, how have you seen the Lord at work in your life last year? Hmm. Uh, I think in the last year, God has really done a lot to remind me that my kids are actually his children first and that he loves them more than I possibly could. Um, this year, we were facing a lot of different decisions regarding our kids' futures, and I was finding myself really overwhelmed with stress and worry and the weight of, you know, screwing it all up. And, um, in prayer, I felt like, you know, the Lord has just been revealing to me and reminding me that I do have the gift of being my kids' moms uh, or my kids' mom, but that yeah, they were his first and mm-hmm. that, you know, he is caring for them, that he loves them, that he He loves them so much that, that he will... Um, you know, be caring for them even in the moments where I might make mistakes or might not do things perfectly. So that has been a really, a really big way that I think I've, I've grown this, this year and seeing God kind of change my heart and my perspective in that way. Mm, Beautiful. I love that. And what would you say is your favorite part of your home and why? Mm. 
I think my favorite part of my home is my kitchen. Uh, my husband is an incredible chef, and I love being in the kitchen with him. Um, it's just really fun. That's We cooked a lot together when we were dating and early on in our marriage. And, and even now, um, I have a lot of fun being his sous chef and chopping things while he makes magnificent creations. So that's really fun. And luckily for me, my kids have gotten a lot of his cooking genes, and they love to cook and are also quite creative. So yeah, my kitchen is a place where we have a lot of good conversations and, and fun memories. And so it's, it's a place that, that I really enjoy to be for the most part, as long as, as long as the dishes haven't piled up too high, then it's a little less pleasant, but. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. So is, is dinner for you guys as a family, usually like you and your husband working on it together or just your husband usually makes the dinners Actually, we hardly ever, well, that's maybe a little stretch, but we rarely have dinner together as a family because my husband works for a parish. So he's gone probably five nights a week. So a lot of times dinner is just me and the kids. And, you know, we try to still do, you know, dinner of some kind. Sometimes it's me and the kids cooking together. And then um, we we tend to make, you know, when he's he's home on the weekend, we do brunches together. And um, especially if we're having guests over when we have people in town, we do a lot of cooking together. So um, our our family meals, ironically, usually happen sometimes earlier on in the day, rather than official dinner times. That makes sense. Yeah, it's so hard when you have um, a spouse, or even sometimes both spouses working at a parish, especially in I'd say, like, faith formation, youth ministry, that (laughs) that kind of area. (laughs) Lots of busy nights. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's crazy. But um, yeah, that's great. Very neat. And uh, what have you been loving recently? Um, uh, I was thinking about this question. And there was actually I kind of surprised myself with what came to mind. Um, The things that came to mind was a couple of skincare products. Um, I am like a super low maintenance skin person. But I have been noticing recently, I'm into my 30s now, and I was starting to realize that I was getting a few more um, wrinkles and age spots than I was hoping to have in my early 30s. And um, I (laughs) discovered a couple of products that I love. I just order them on Amazon. The company is called The Ordinary. And um, I use their, their vitamin C serum in the morning. Basically, it like replaced all my moisturizers. I just put this little layer of it over my face and I really like how it looks. And then I started using their uh, retinol cream at night. And again, it's like a super like light layer over my face, super easy, super low maintenance. There's not like 17 steps. I just like put it on. And I feel like in the past like two months of using it, my skin has like cleared up a lot. I have fewer wrinkles. And so I love that skincare got to stay as easy as I as I wanted it to be, even as perhaps I have less to work with now. <laughs> wow, interesting. So I hadn't even heard of that company, but you said you can just buy it on Amazon? Yeah, that's how I do it. It's so great. Yeah. I just have it on subscribe and save and it takes me like two minutes at night and two minutes in the morning and we call it good. Love it. That's great. Um, and then my last question for you is, do you have any mom hacks to share or maybe something that's making your life a little easier? Yes. Um, I recently, well, the first thing that comes to my mind is I'm sure something that probably everyone knows, but a lot of us find hard to implement this idea of prepping things the night before. I always feel Mm. like I love having stuff set up, whether it's the kids lunches or clothes or whatever it is set up the night before that is huge for me. Um, the other thing that I love waking up to that is new to me, my, my grandmother recently moved into a more, um, assisted living facility and, I got her Roomba, the robot vacuums. Oh, and yeah. Okay. Oh, my gosh. It is changing my life. I like now, whenever I talk to moms, and they're like, I don't know what to put on my list for Christmas or whatever. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, your birthday, Christmas, your save up money for a splurge. A robot vacuum is like the biggest lifesaver. I wake up every morning and I feel like the house cleaner was at my house while I slept and I can walk on my floor and there's no crumbs and there's no dog hair and it is like a dream come true and it is making my life and my cleaning 
so much easier. And it's great because you have to pick up, you know, obviously the piles of laundry and whatever that's all over your floor before it can go. So it like forces me to pick up stuff. And then, or sometimes I'll even run it. If I'm like going to drop the kids off at school in the morning, it's been a crazy morning. I'll grab stuff up and set it to run. And I come home and I'm like, oh, look at this. My house got some noise. <laughs> so that is my new thing where I'm like, oh my gosh, put it on your list, save up for it. It is totally worth it. <laughs> That's awesome. I actually had a guest from the first season of the podcast as well that met- mentioned that as her mom hack. She really loved it as well. So yeah, uh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's really great. I love that. Um, well, Joy, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. I have so enjoyed this conversation and I'm like feeling motivated for the new year to, <laughs> to get things yeah, kind of so ordered good. and yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I'm really grateful. So thanks so much for coming on. It is my pleasure. Let me go ahead and uh, close this in a prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this time together to um, chat and to share with one another. And Lord, I pray for all of the moms listening, especially um, coming into this new year that we can um, just focus on you, Lord, and um, ask for just your guidance and your grace as we um, as we plan for what we have ahead of us. And um, Lord, just help us to remember you throughout our day, um, whether we are working or home, um, whatever, Lord, that we have ahead of us, whatever task that we can remember you um, in everything we do today. And Jesus, we love you and we offer this prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hi, friends. I love that Joy shared how she enjoys reflecting on the proclamation of the kingdom and how God uses our small efforts to bring about his kingdom here on earth. I also love the idea of developing a vision for our motherhood by thinking about the legacy we want to leave for the people we love. Joy mentioned how she found a quote from St. Therese that resonated with her to help her overcome a struggle in her life. And I love that idea of choosing a saint quote or a scripture verse that resonates with us that might be a helpful way to begin our life plan or vision. And then asking ourselves, what kind of wife and mom do I want to be? And allowing our plan to flow from there. So as Joy mentioned, at the end of our lives, we can hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant for being a faithful steward of the life, experiences, and gifts God has given us. Thanks for listening in today, friends. For links to everything we talked about, check out the show notes for today's episode at diapersanddisciples.com. Until next time, you all are in my prayers.